What is up? You are listening to Low Hanging Fruit. My name is AJ, and you can find more of our content on Twitter at LHF underscore pod and on my Medium page at austinjandrews.medium.com. You can get in touch with us on our Twitter or shoot us an email at lowhangingfruitpod at gmail.com. And our YouTube page is up and running. You can find our channel by searching the name of this episode and our channel name, Low Hanging Fruit Pod. Make sure to follow and subscribe, and thank you for listening. Well, everybody, your assholes can unclench. Your stomachs can settle back down. The Lightning have taken game five to go back to back on Stanley Cup victories in two seasons in a row. Third uh, franchise victory in the Stanley Cup finals. Um, Bazzi was able to keep his shutout streak alive going back to the Dallas Stars series uh, last year. Um, he is now 5-0 in series, clinch, uh, series clinching playoff games uh, with five shutouts um, in all of those series clinching games. So he is our Con Smythe winner for this year. Um, he was definitely my number one after this game. I know that we had previously said that Kucherov was there uh, for his outstanding performance in the playoffs, but as the offensive uh, pressure was, you know, quieted down a little bit, Vazzy stayed strong right where he was the entire playoffs. So what he's been able to do is unbelievable. I think a Con Smythe and another Stanley Cup victory definitely outweighs the Vezina in his eyes. Um, and even when he was accepting the Conn Smythe Trophy, you see him pointing to his teammates. So this was a 110% a group, a group effort on all, uh, on all fronts of this team, from coaching staff to trainers to uh, young guys stepping up into roles that they've never had before, like Matthew Joseph and Ross Colton. Um, Colton getting the game-winning goal. Um, just a lot of amazing stuff to cap off an amazing season and an amazing run again, back to back Stanley cup champions. So let's just dive into period one. Um, this was littered with undisciplined plays on both sides, uh, the Habs and the bolts, both doing their fair share of, uh, penalty box, uh, <laughs> vacations, I guess you could say, uh, three minutes in. Joseph was showing off his wheels already. Uh, he draws a trip, and uh, the bolts go on the power play. One big thing that I continued to notice um, while Kalorn was gone, we found out that he actually fractured his fibula uh, and had a metal rod inserted into his leg in hopes of his return sometime during the series. It didn't happen, uh, I guess, thankfully. For, you know, prolonging injuries could get worse. Uh, we took the series earlier than we, excuse me, had originally expected going into it. So I don't think he's too mad about the situation. But I mean, what a warrior complex you have to have to break your leg and then try to come back two days later. You know, 48 hours later, you're back in the building trying to get back on the ice. I mean... That in itself is also a testament to how this team was so focused on accomplishing one goal. This wasn't about individual awards in the slightest. So um, that being said, Sorelli 
was plugged into his spot again on the power play. Um, Sorelli is going to be very good for a very long time. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still 23 years old. Uh, we have him locked up for the next four years, I want to say. He is going to be a core piece of this franchise um, in the coming years after we figure out this cap situation if uh, we're able to protect him, and I think that we should. So um, he's, you know, was plugged into the first power play unit in Kalorn's spot. Um, Kalorn made his living uh, standing in front of the net, parking his, uh, his big body in front of the goaltenders, uh, blocking their view, deflecting shots, and just maintaining roots in the paint right in front of the net. Um, Sorelli on this power play played a little bit behind the net and a little bit in front of it. His play behind the net had been continuing to be an issue throughout the last couple games while Kalorn was out. Um, it's like once he gets the puck, he doesn't know what to do with it. It's like the dog that you have that finally catches that squirrel and he has no idea what to do afterwards. Um, Sorelli takes the puck low. Looks for the pass to point, who is relatively open, open enough for a person of his skill to get a shot off, a good clean shot. Doesn't pass to him, passes the puck back out wide. Or he holds on to the puck too long. Those are the two big things that I see with his play behind the net in this first power play. So a couple good chances, but that really kills momentum. The Bolts really love building on continuous pass plays to open up high percentage shots and Sorelli just did not have that mindset on that unit and that could just 100% be lack of chemistry from not playing with those guys the entire season um, that unit was the best in the business because of what they were able to cultivate chemistry wise so um, not to mention the skill set on the on the ice with those five people there so um, part of its chemistry uh, part of it's just a learning curve so they get some good chances, but nothing really arises for it. Uh, Ruda gets called on a cross-check, um, which, I mean, they finally called one. If you're going to call a cross-check, call it early so you can set a standard for the game. So I, I didn't mind the call, but um, it was a cross-check, and he went to the box. Um, so the Bolts go on the uh, penalty kill. Um, fantastic job by Goudreau and Coleman. Um their offensive pressure on the penalty kill alone killed off the first 40 seconds. Uh, there was more time spent in the Habs defensive zone than the Lightning's defensive zone for that first minute of that power play because of their four checking abilities. So they just keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. Um, after the penalties killed, uh, Chernak goes to the box. Uh, for an interference call against Perry. Uh, Perry gets called for the embellishment. I haven't seen an embellishment call in a while, especially in the playoffs. Uh, but if you're going to call it, I guess call it early. Same thing as the cross-checks. Um, you can see that the refs wanted to be a little bit more consistent with their calls in these games, so I do appreciate that. Um, but I'm sure Habs fans were pretty mad. Perry definitely attempted to sell the interference i still think he would have gotten that call whether or not he flailed back a little bit um but chernak didn't hit him hard enough to have the reaction that he had so both of them go to the box offsetting uh offsetting penalties 
So, um, you know, Bolts kill the majority of the penalty uh, off again uh, while Root is still in the box. Josh Anderson went to the box on a hook on Coleman still during all of these penalties. Uh, so now you have a few players in the box. Um, Anderson got very lucky. Right before he got the hooking call on Coleman on the faceoff, they were kind of going at it a little bit. And Anderson tries an overhanded chop that, I mean, it it really could have hurt Coleman if it connected properly. So both players are very lucky that his lumberjack uh, chop did not connect anywhere on his body. Uh, but as soon as he missed the chop, he puts the uh, his stick blade into the hands of Coleman and gets called on the, uh, on the hook. So uh, they go four on four for 37 seconds. Uh, Coleman, as he reaches over uh, the blue line into the Habs offensive zone, um, passes the puck and gets caught puck watching a little bit and eats a heavy hit right on the boards. He hops right back up, uh, continues down, goes behind or goes right in front of the net. Um, and as Suzuki gets rid of the puck, he levels Nick Suzuki, who did not have his head up at all. Both hits, the hit on Coleman and the hit on Suzuki, either of them could have been called for interference, but they didn't call the first one, so they didn't call the second one. So despite the penalties being, you know, ever present in the first 10 minutes of the game, um, there was consistency in those calls. So both teams kind of knew what to expect for the remainder of the game. Um as Suzuki is kind of working his way back uh, to the Montreal bench, um, the line change ensues, and Suzuki's replacement comes on the ice. So now the Habs have six or seven players on the ice. Suzuki plays the puck, and at this point, the Bolts had gone on to the power play because the 4-on-4 expired. So not only is it not an icing call, but Suzuki, who's replacement is already on the ice he plays that puck and the lightning bench goes wild the fans go wild and you see the line judge kind of wave his hand he waves off like no no it wasn't too many men so that could have put the bolts five on three for at least a minute uh because there was still a minute left in the regular power play um didn't like that one um but Ultimately, that wasn't the deciding factor in the game. So hindsight's twenty twenty. At the end of the at the end of the day, it didn't matter. But I would have really liked to see what the Bolts could have done with a five on three uh, to open up the game. If they score there, it really opens up the floodgates. Um, but nonetheless, it didn't happen. Uh, they don't capitalize on the five on four um, with the minute left. So they're zero for two on the power play already. Um, on that last minute of that power play, Sorelli again, he comes back up from behind the net this time and parks himself right in front of Price. Um, he kind of wanders laterally in front of Price. He never really gets his full body in front of him for an extended period of time. So there was a shot by Hedman from the point where if Sorelli had waited another second and a half, two seconds longer where he was standing in front of Price, that puck might have gone in. 
just because Price's view would have been completely obstructed from the shot and the puck itself. You need the combination of those two things. You need Price to miss the shot, and you need to not let him be able to track the puck after it's off the stick. Those combined, the puck may go in the net. It's a 50-50 shot. Although, it doesn't happen. Sorelli drifts a little bit. Price sees the shot and tracks the puck. Despite Price's sub-90% save percentage in the finals, he is an amazing goaltender. And he, 99 out of 100 times, is going to block that shot. If he tracks it all the way from the stick, all the way to his body, he's going to block that shot. So Sorelli, again, maybe not comfortable on the power play, especially for that unit and the way that they set up things. Um, just that lack of chemistry shining through again. So Price sees the puck, um, and they are able to kill off the penalty. Uh, 14 minutes in, 15 minutes in, the shots were 12-2 to two, uh, in the favor of the Lightning. So this game is eerily similar to game four again, where the shots were an identical count and Josh Anderson was able to put the puck in the net, even though they hadn't had many chances on net. And I think Vasilevsky is one of those goaltenders where, I mean, all goaltenders are like this. If you don't see a lot of shots immediately or you go long periods without seeing chances, you might get jumpy, you might get cold, and I think that's also how Anderson was able to get that puck in the net in the game four. Um, Vazzy had only seen two shots up until that point that were on net. <clears throat> so I, I think, you know, could have been jumpy, could have been cold. Um, obviously, his caliber is the highest in the NHL, highest in the world. He is the best goaltender in the world, and I will die on that hill. But every goaltender gets cold if you don't see shots. Um <clears throat> the bolts are just not getting through the neutral zone clearly at this point. There's no blue line to blue line passes. Um, there's a lot of dump ins and chases, and that's kind of the game that they were going to need to play until they could set up to keep the score zero zero. Because you don't want to have those chances of a D man taking you know the offensive rush and allowing Montreal to get behind them and uh, create odd man rushes. So <clears throat> even though they weren't getting through the neutral zone, I still think they could, did a good job of. Um, negating any any counterattacks that the Habs could push forward. Um, in the up until minute thirty left in the period, there was a combined forty plus hits uh, total for both teams. The physicality was unreal coming out of the gates on both sides. Um, all of the players on the Lightning were getting in the mix. Um, you know, Anderson and uh, Weber and their normal guys, Gallagher, they were all there already. You knew that was the game that they were going to play. That was the game that they played the entire series. Um, that was the game that they played the entire year. Out, out hit your opponents and good things will happen. You wear down your star players and you'll find your own chances down the road. So we knew that they were going to come out and play that game. Um and the Lightning were right there to match them. Um, so period one ends 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, shots were 13-4 to four to end the period. Uh, period two starts exactly the same as period one penalty-wise. Very undisciplined play. Um, this one was more unlucky than anything else. Savard had looked shaky on the puck 
going back to game uh, four towards the end of the game and then the beginning of uh, game five, Savard just does not look comfortable with the puck on his stick. He looks antsy. Um, and this goes to show a minute 39 in, uh, Savard chips the puck out of the defensive zone and up over the glass for a delay game penalty. Um, but the Bolts pa- uh, penalty kill uh, was unbelievable. In game five, uh, Coleman and Gaudreau do it again. Uh, they get immediately three great clearances. They don't even allow Montreal to get set in the offensive zone or even enter the offensive zone on a couple of these. Um, they killed a full minute off the power play before the Habs even thought about getting a shot on goal. Um, on this chance, Kucherov... Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, on this penalty kill, they allowed zero shots on goal um, for the full two minutes. So, I mean, that just deflates your special teams. Um, Neither power play is getting it done, so these teams know that you're going to have to go to war five on five. You're not going to be able to rely on your power play like the Lightning have done um, the entire playoff run. They they Up until this series, or at least game two, they knew that if they get a man advantage, they're going to you know more than likely take it to the house. So that's just, un, it's not reliable at this point. So they know they're going to have to get it done five on five. As soon as the penalty kill is over, uh, Kucherov comes down and slings a puck off the post, which goes back to game four. Uh, the Lightning are just not having luck. You need so much luck to win a Stanley Cup on top of having an absolute juggernaut of a team. Um, Lightning have the juggernaut of a team, but the pucks were not falling in their favor. Another puck off the post and out. Um, I have another note here. Savard's still looking shaky with the puck on his stick, just giving pucks away or not making uh, immediate decisions. Um, There were some open players, uh, blue line to blue line, where he just wouldn't make the pass, and they would have to come back and regroup. Um, They were having, the Bolts were having a very heavy offensive pressure for about, two or three minutes towards the middle of the period um, where it looked like they were on a power play, the way that they were able to set up in the offensive zone. But again, Savard doesn't play a puck cleanly at the blue line and turns the puck over and does get it back, but it completely kills the momentum that they had in the, in the zone there. So um, they are building confidence up until this point with the chances that they were having. But, you know, obviously Savard redeems himself uh, later in the uh, in the game, uh, later in this period. But I, I didn't like what I was seeing uh, from him with the puck on his stick. Defensively, he was great. Uh, still absolutely not a liability defensively, but puck movement and offensively, he was looking very, very shaky. Um Sergachev goes to the box shortly after this. Um, he, I think it was Suzuki that he tripped. Uh, Suzuki came flying down the boards on the right side. Um, and Sergachev, he's very fast. He keeps up with him. But the way he was playing him, initially it looked like you know he might have just 
out-muscled him to the ground. But in slow motion, it could it, – it, it was – a few inches and a few more pounds of muscle away from being a slew foot. So um, I'm not going to call it a dangerous play uh, because it was in slow motion where you see this in full speed. Uh, he's just playing the body. So he does get called for the trip. It doesn't get called for the slew foot, uh, which is great. But um, it, it, it was very close to being a not great play. Um, penalty kill again. Gets the job done. Um, the first minute, they have a ton of offensive chances on this PK. Uh, Chernak is just, I don't know where this came from, the offensive prowess that he's been able to cultivate over the last, you know, like two or three months. Um, we've seen flashes of it here and there because we know he has an absolute hammer of a slap shot. He is so strong, but he's silky. He's a silky mitted guy now. And I think, you know, being paired up. Uh, with McDonough has done a lot for him. Uh, he's able to take those offensive chances. But even on the PK here, he he's just getting into a rhythm that I haven't seen him get into before. Um, and he absolutely fires off an amazing shot. Uh, but, of course, you know, Price is locked in at this point, and he, he does what he has to do to keep the puck in play. So um, lots of shots by the Canadians on that, uh, on that power play, but nothing lethal. Lethal lethal nice um uh caulfield does go back to his weird uh bad angle shots and hits one off the post um but right as the uh power play is ending point kind of stretches out towards the top of the blue line in between the dots and is able to push a puck back into the neutral zone which allows a shift change for a very very tired uh, uh tired unit out there uh, following that, I mean, it was all Habs for about two minutes towards the end of the period. Um, I mean, the Bolts did a fantastic job of, you know, not allowing them to get high percentage shots, but the shots were coming and Vazzy was standing on his head doing a great job again. Now, you would assume that the momentum would still carry over. Even after a shift change or two, a couple minutes after that offensive onslaught, but it's the Stanley Cup Finals. Momentum is going to shift at every single second, every single inch that you grind. Momentum will change, and sure enough, it happened. So I am going to break out the trusty whiteboard again for this one. So another fun one here. This is the Ross Colton goal. So this is my image of a scrum <laughs> against the boards here. Um the puck is in this area somewhere. Uh, it's pressed up against the boards by the Habs and the Lightning's players. Uh, Ryan McDonough is here. David Savard is here. And Ross Colton is kind of hanging out around down here, uh, waiting for the puck to come out. The puck is eventually pushed to McDonough, who in this unit, and this is they play very well together, Savard and McDonough. I've noticed it. Um, a couple times here defensively they play together, but they do have good chemistry. So as soon as McDonough gathers the puck here right on the blue line, Savard makes a bolt down to the top of the circle here. McDonough carries the puck laterally facing the net to right about the center here. Meanwhile, Colton just sneaks his way right above the paint, right in front of the net where Price is standing. Price's full attention is Savard right here. 
Savard puts an absolutely, like you cannot put a more perfect pass right into the paint area on Colton's stick where Colton is able to just tap the puck into the net. Savard negates any of the criticism that I had for him in the first 20, 30 minutes of the game. Um, Outstanding pass and great awareness by Colton to know where he needs to be on an offensive setup like that. Unbelievable. Um, he Savard just puts the puck right on the tape for Colton, and he's able to just, you know, have a strong hand on his stick to allow that puck to redirect into the back of the goal. And Price's full attention being pulled to Savard there waiting for a shot. You have to respect the shot of Savard from that close. He doesn't shoot a lot, but when he does, it is a heavy slap shot like all of our defensemen have. Um, so just an amazing job. All sparked from McDonough. McDonough was definitely number three on my list for the con Smythe. Um, just as an unnoticeable, I mean, he's noticeable on the ice, but on the stat sheet, he's not the presence that point was in the first three series. He's not the all-time point leader in the playoffs for this playoff run like Kucherov was. He's not the best goaltender in the world like Vasilevsky was. But everything that he does on the ice has purpose, and it translates throughout the entire team. Everyone picks up on the energy that McDonough brings, and I am so ecstatic to have him <clears throat> on our team. And he's going to be here for a while. He's uh, locked up for, I think, four more seasons, and he is still playing at an absolutely elite level. So this goal was 110% sparked by him, but it needed all three players to make it finish. So Savard, amazing job on the pass. And Colton, such a young guy to have that awareness to get down low right where he needed to be and to have a strong stick to tap that in. So the bolts go up 1-0, and this ends up being the deciding factor in the game. Um, so immediately after this, McDonough again, more praise for him. There was a uh, an odd man rush, a two-on-one chance for the Habs streaking into the offensive zone. And McDonough's stick gets in the way of the pass uh, to break it up and to completely eliminate the scoring chance. He didn't allow a shot, didn't allow a pass. He is a brick wall in that uh, defensive zone. So he goes from having an amazing offensive prowess on the assist for the Colton goal to turning around and making a Norris caliber uh, defensive play in the zone less than two minutes later. Um, I did notice that after the goal, the refs did swallow their whistles a little bit. It was an exciting rest of the period for both teams. I'm not even going to say it was just all lightning. I mean, the Habs were rolling after that goal, but the lightning just came out on top. It didn't matter. Um, both teams were playing at their best and the lightning at their best. This will go down historically as one of the best teams to ever take the ice in the history of the NHL. And it shows by going back to back in Stanley cups. Um, Palat up until this point uh, in the final minute 30 of the second period had not registered a shot on goal. But he had five shots blocked uh, by Habs players. So 
I thought he was going to be due for one, but that is the offensive pressure that we need. There was a lot of passing when there should have been a lot of shooting. And I know they were still they were still up in shots by a lot. Um, but at some point, like I talked about it with Sorelli, you're going to have to take a chance. Um, and Palat was the forerunner there. He was taking every chance he had to get a puck on net. Um, so big shouts out to him. Um, right towards the end of the period, about 37 seconds left, Vavzilevsky makes another huge save to keep it 1-0. Um, he is otherworldly when he is locked in. Best goaltender in the world. Um, on the counterattack, Braden Point then draws a penalty. Uh, I want to say it was a trip. So with 37 seconds left, the Bolts go on the power play. Um, they don't end up capitalizing on it in the last 37 seconds, but they come into period three with uh, just under a minute and a half on the power play. So um, I was talking with some friends in the intermission period and I said, you know, like, I mean, this is common knowledge. If the, if the bolts capitalize on this power play immediately in period three, the door is pretty much shut. Um, we talked about the inexperience of the Canadians roster. There are a few veteran guys uh, who have made these deep runs before. But the people that they're relying on to score their goals and make their plays um, are just way too young and inexperienced and not big. These these games were being played so physically. Caulfield and Suzuki are not large humans. They're very, very fast, and they're very, very good with the puck. But if you're playing a very physical game, they're not going to be there to help you out. Um not a knock to them at all. This is just the style of play that we saw throughout this series. And you knew that they weren't able to match that going in. That's why they have players like Gallagher, who himself is not a large human, but he plays like he is 6'5", 250 pounds. He has an absolute physical presence on the ice. But people like Shea Weber and Josh Anderson, Joel Edmondson, um, those are your players that you look towards on the Habs to bring the physical presence. Um, but... It just wasn't there for them. Um, but the Bolts do not capitalize on this power play. Their drought continues. Uh, but like I said, they kind of knew up until this point that five-on-five five was going to be the most important situation uh, for the remainder of the game. Um, even after the power play, they were still having a great sequence of passing and chances. Um, a lot of pucks on net. Uh, Price was doing a very good job of keeping it out, so... Um, Anderson does get, uh, not a breakaway, but a chance on a one-on-one, um, Chernak was the defender on this play. Uh, Vazzy makes an amazing save on the Anderson shot and Chernak just kind of out muscles him and Anderson goes down very hard into the goalpost. Uh, the way that he slung around, he slid on his, uh, he slid falling down and the post found its way up underneath just below his armpit. Um, I'm sure that did not feel good. Uh, Anderson did go to the locker room, but he was not there very long. As you know, uh, Anderson's a tough guy. He's big and they need him on the ice for that physical presence that I was just talking about. Um, but Vazzy again, keeping the game one Oh, at this point when, when he made that save, I knew the Habs weren't going to score. Um, 
they had so many good chances and Vazzy was just so stoic in net. It was Carey Price-esque where Vazzy's usually, you know, eyes bugging, uh, looking like he has smelling salts taped to the inside of his mask. But he was so calm and so locked in and so ready to make these saves that once he made that Anderson save, I you, the game was over at that point unless something fluky happened like we had seen in the series with the pinball pucks finding their way into the back of the net where Vassy couldn't make a uh, make a play on them. So that would be the only way that the Habs were going to score at that point. Um, McDonough continued defensively and offensively to dominate. Um, Stamkos got in the mix with a huge hit on Romanov, um, which I'd love to see from the captain. We talked in previous episodes about how he's, he's definitely changed his game. Um, he is still Mr. Reliable on the power play. His shot is unmatched. Uh, top three power play shots in the league. Um, you know, he's 1A and 1B with Ovechkin on the circle on the left side. Um, but he's changed his game. I mean, even if you look at old pictures of Stamkos when he was drafted, and then you see the pictures of him last night celebrating with the cup, he's got the rugged face, the broken nose, he's missing teeth, the big scraggly beard. He's fully gone into grinder playmaker mode, and I love it. It is the presence that you need from a captain when, you know, in 2015, we had no physical presence whatsoever. Uh, 2019 with the sweep, um, we didn't have guys to get out there and really grind away. Gord has been that guy for us. We had Seti Paquette, uh, who's no longer with us. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I wish he was with us for this puck run, but you know, he got his ring last year. Um, but we just didn't have those guys in, especially in 2015. So to see the captain really reevaluate his position after his injuries and, uh, realize that his ability is no longer, uh, that extremely fast, uh, goal scorer. He's still capable of doing that. And I hate saying this because it sounds so negative, but it's not. He just has adjusted. He's getting up there in age. He's not an old man, but he's not 23 anymore. Um, so to see him get involved, taking the body, leading by example, it's exactly what we needed from him in this game. Um, and right after those hits, our third line comes out and just drives the point home and continues to buzz. Uh, with 10 minutes left, uh, Suzuki got a shot on net. Um, no, I'm sorry. I think it was. I don't remember the exact situation, but either way, the play comes to an end, and Suzuki kind of drifts towards Gord, and Gord just gives him a shoulder. And Suzuki, I mean, he, he got hit hard, and Gord is a shorter guy. He's not as big as Hedman or uh, Shea Weber, but he will hit you. He is a bulldozer. Um, so he puts his shoulder into Suzuki. Gord doesn't flinch. Suzuki goes down kind of hard. Um, the play was after the whistle, but this is the first big scrum that we saw the entire game because, you know, the refs set the tone at the beginning, calling penalties as they saw them. Um, so this was a really dangerous spot for both teams. Um, the Bolts do not want to give up a, a penalty here and have to go on a man advantage with, uh, you know, 10 minutes left in the game and kind of gift an opportunity to the Habs to 
I mean, statistic-wise, one of them is going to end up having to score on the power play, whether it's the Bolts or the Habs. Um, so Gord does a great job with his composure. He doesn't continue the fight. Um, the Habs do lose their minds a little bit, but the refs did an amazing job. I will give them credit in this game. They let the Gord hit go, so they let the Habs stuff go. They usually will take two people out of the pile, one from each team, just to settle things down, but they just let them go. There's 10 minutes left in the Stanley Cup Finals, and you just kind of have to let that play go unless somebody does something egregious. So I do like what the refs did here. Um, I don't think you can call the Gord hit if you're not going to call the ensuing punches and cross-checks and slashes that happened directly after this from the Habs. Um, so, you know, less than 10 minutes, Vasilevsky goes again to another level past a point that I didn't think was possible. Huge save on Anderson. And immediately after that, another huge glove save. Um, just absolutely swallowing any puck that comes even close to him. Um, and then this is where you see the third line put in the work that they've done the entire series um, and the entire playoff run. Barclay Goudreau, Man, what a warrior. Uh, we saw it from Kalorn get a, a broken leg on a blocked shot. Uh, Tyler Johnson, last game, takes one off the top of the knee. Um, Goudreau here. Weber comes flying out of the neutral zone. I don't know if it was off of a line change or if it, he was just catching up uh, with the counterattack or if he was playing it safe so they didn't get beat on a puck out. But either way, he comes flying past the blue line for a puck that was passed back towards him and rips a slap shot. And we've seen Shea Weber in the uh, all-star skill challenges before. He has, an, he has a slap shot that's upwards of 100 miles per hour if it connects properly. And this pass, I mean, it's essentially like a, like a pitch in a baseball. Um, a pitcher throws, you know, 95 miles an hour and the batter hits the ball. It's coming off of the bat in between 100 and 115 miles an hour, depending on the player. A similar instance here where the flex on the stick was visible in regular speed, not even in just slow motion. You saw the bend on Weber's stick when he takes this slap shot, and it goes right into Goudreau. Goudreau just dives right in front of the puck to uh, eliminate the shot on goal, and he is hurt. He is hurt. I cannot, I would not be able to stand. It doesn't matter where the puck would hit me on my body. If I caught a Shea Weber slap shot from less than 10 feet away, send me to the grave. That's it. I'm writing my will and testament on my way back to the locker room because I would die. And Goudreau takes this. Gord gives him a friendly little push on the butt to uh, get him back to the bench with some assistance. And Less than a minute later on the line change, uh, he comes back on the ice to help kill off any offensive rush on the Canadians. And as a teammate, can you imagine seeing that happen to someone and him come back out and the level of play that you would bring to the table afterwards? I mean, he put his body on the line for this cup. He's done it the entire playoff run. He's done it offensively. He's done it defensively. He's done it on the penalty kill. He's a force on the ice. Um, 
And it's just one of those amazing pickups that we got uh, from Bois as our GM, um, alongside with Coleman coming in both in the same season. They are core pieces of why we were able to pull off a back-to-back run. Uh, back-to-back run, not the wins. Just the back-to-back run alone, you need players like this on the ice. And to step in front of a cannon of a shot like Shea Weber with no regard for yourself, that is a teammate, and that is a warrior, and that is the mindset that we were lacking in 2015. Um, So he gets back out on the ice. Um, At this point, there's five minutes left. The Bolts are playing quick shifts, no more than 30 seconds. Get fresh legs on the ice. Don't allow the Habs to have an opportunity where you have tired people in the defensive zone to pick off a tired player and put the puck in the net. Uh, Clock hits two minutes. Price scurries off the ice. I'm standing in my living room at this point, screaming at the TV. Um, You know, the penalty kill mindset comes into play here with the six on five. We have our all of our penalty killers out on the ice um, and they're able to uh, block a shot down in front of Vazzy and clear it out with about 10 seconds left. Um, And at this point, I'm losing my mind because it's locked up when you clear a puck with 10 seconds left all the way back down the ice and there's no icing called. The game is over. the Habs take a slap shot. It hits Gord in the center of the ice. Three seconds left. Gord slaps it back down and immediately throws his stick and gloves into the air. And you have your Stanley Cup champions. Back-to-back years. The Bolts do it again. And, you know, everyone crowds Vazzy. Um, they're all losing their minds. All of our reserve players come out on the ice. Kalorn comes out fully dressed in his pads. Um, doesn't look like he's limping at all. The man just had a rod inserted into his leg less than a week ago. Um, I mean, unbelievable scene. And to do it in front of the home fans, I mean, I know we didn't plan it. I know we didn't want them to plan it. But I would have not had it any other way. I wanted that win in front of the in front of the Tampa fans, and it was a marvelous scene. Um, and then, you know, the celebrations ensue. Vasilevsky does get named the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, as he should. Um, not a knock to the offensive uh, side of things, but Kucherov and Point were all but eliminated in the last couple games. Um, compared to what their production was prior to Game 5, um, I the Smythe had to go to Vassy. And he does his little lap around the ice, and he continuously points to the trophy and points to his teammates. And again, just harping on the same thing, this was a group effort. There is no individualistic ego here. Um, this, this took everyone. And um, the captain raises... The cup passes it around, and I that I got chills just to see this happen again, um, you know. And there is some controversy because of Kucherov's comments after the game um, about the Montreal fans in Game Four, but the people complaining about what he said. He he said, you know, it's bullshit that. 
the Habs fans celebrated game four like they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me is what he said. And that's a man who within 15 minutes of getting in that locker room is already so hammered <laughs> that he just comes out full guns blazing. He kills a Bud Light, slides it off the table, opens up another one, and continues the press conference. And the people that are complaining about what he said are the same people that bitch about the generic answers that they get from hockey players in between periods. Oh, you know, we got to play our game. Uh, we got to get pucks in deep. Got to get pucks on net. You know, we just got to stick to our game plan. Uh, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know. It's the same shit over and over and over again. So the people that are complaining about what Kucherov said, um, your team didn't win. Go cry. Sorry about it. Um, and then obviously all the cap stuff. Um, the Habs were under the cap in the playoffs by, I think I saw $11 million. Well, if you didn't fill your team out with the salary cap, you should probably be bitching about your GM. You shouldn't be coming at the Bolts for winning uh, Stanley Cup with the cap circumvention that they were able to pull off. Um, it was within the rules. And don't think for a second that if your team won the Stanley Cup that you wouldn't be defending them the same exact way that Bolts fans are, and a lot of North America in general is defending uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, man, I cannot wait to get the DVD that eventually comes out. I can't wait to watch the 60 for 60 or 30 for 30, 30 for 30. Yeah, the ESPN stuff that comes out about this team and what they were able to do over the last two seasons. Um like I said, we will be doing a salary cap episode um, sometime in the next few days um, to kind of talk about the situation uh, going forward, not just next season, but the seasons after that as well. Um, we will be losing a fair amount of players to our salary cap uh, position as well as the expansion draft. We can only protect so many people. Um, and I don't have the specific credentials in front of me at the moment, but like I said, we'll save that for another episode, but this team was able to do it back to back champions. Uh, the city of Tampa Bay now has, uh, let me see. I have it on my phone. Um, the lightning now since 2015 have 70 playoff wins. The next team below them is the penguins at 42. So, that's just in an insane amount of games won in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, it was confirmed that Kucherov was playing with a fractured rib after that cross-check from Mayfield that kept him out of the, uh, I think it was game six. Um, so Kucherov was playing injured. Um, this is the, the Bolts record after a loss in the last two postseasons. They are 14-0, 51 goals scored 19 goals allowed they're 26 percent on the power play for 13 for 50 and 87 percent on the penalty kill killing off 40 out of 46 penalties um the city of tampa has won two stanley cups a super bowl and an american league championship in the last uh two seasons so unbelievable what the city's been able to do and uh, the rhetoric of Champa Bay definitely hits home with this now. Um, 
I don't know if or when we will ever see another team like this take the ice, whether it's for the Lightning or for another franchise in general. There's a lot of young teams that are coming up. The Canadians are one of them. If they make some good moves, they are going to pre, uh, be perennial contenders. Um, but they're going to have to make some changes and get that experience. And I think this cup run did do them justice. I think they're going to learn a lot of important things, um, not only from what they were able to do, but from what the Lightning did to them. Um, it kind of goes back for us in 2019 when the Blue Jackets swept us out of the first round after we won the President's Trophy. Um what we learned from that series was the catalyst for going back to back the next two years and winning two championships in a row. So I think the Canadians come back and do a great job <clears throat> if they make the correct moves. If they don't, then, hey, you got to reevaluate your GM uh, situation. Um, but there are a lot of young teams coming up in this uh, in this league now that are set up to do exactly what the lightning were able to do um but i really don't ever think that maybe in my lifetime we might be able to see another team that was built and uh will be able to prosper like the lightning have the last two seasons but um enjoy this while you can uh because we don't know what's going to happen next season um i am so proud and especially thankful of what i was able to witness over the last two years with this franchise, uh, I've been absolutely spoiled as a Tampa Bay fan. Um, I've been a Buccaneers fan for 26 years. Um, it's been a rough ride for most of it. Uh, I've been a Rays fan and a Lightning fan for an equal amount of time. Um, so enjoy this time while you can. Um, and don't take this for granted because you don't know when this is ever going to happen again. But... The ball is in the Buccaneers' court now uh, to go back to back in the in uh, the NFL playoffs. The uh, Jesus Super Bowl. My God, I've been so focused on hockey, I don't even remember what the NFL championships called. Um, they resigned every single starter from last season, which I don't think has ever been done before. So the ball's in your court, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's see if we can get another one done and go back-to-back -back with uh, two different sports franchises. And the Rays are still doing their thing in the major leagues. Um, I still have confidence in them to make a deep uh, playoff run again. Um, they're obviously going to be missing uh, Glasnow on the IL, but hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs and have a little bit of a Kucherov situation where he comes back just so fresh. So, um I am so proud of this team, and I'm just going to go watch more highlights, and I'm going to tune into the boat parade and everything that they're going to do in Tampa over the next few days. So uh, we will have the salary cap situation episode coming out soon. Um, Zach will be joining me with that one because he's also been keeping track of a lot of these players, especially the young guys too, so he'll have a lot of helpful stuff for me. Um, and thank you for listening, and go celebrate in your own way. Y'all be safe.